0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is my interview with one of the stars from Todd Haynes' May-December, Charles Melton, and Emma Sassick's interview with the film's screenwriter, Sammy Birch. How do you choose your
1: roles? I wanna find a character that's difficult to, on the surface, understand. Were they born or were they made? It's such a pleasure to meet you. You are so sweet. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for doing this. It's so generous. Oh, well, I want you to tell the story right, don't I? We're <laughs> taller. You look taller on television, but we're basically the same size. We're basically the same.
2: Feels like things just settled down, and now y'all are making
1: a movie. It's a very complex and human story.
3: I think it's hard to trust that You're going to represent Gracie as she was.
1: I'm going to try. Do you remember when you first met? You came to the pet store looking for a job. It was summer after sixth grade? Seventh. Seven. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to play me? When they sent me the script, I thought, here is a woman with a lot more to her than I remember from the weight.
2: What would make
1: a 36-year-old woman have an affair with a seventh
2: grader?
3: People, they, like, see me as a victim. I wanted
1: to. I already have an idea of what it must have felt like. What? Sneaking around with you.
3: I shouldn't have said that.
0: Hey, Charles, it's Matt with Next Best Picture. How are you today? Matt! I'm good. It's so great to hear from you, man. You too. You too. Thank you for making the time. First of all, I got to just say uh, again, congratulations on the Gotham Award win from the other night. Uh, Outstanding performance uh, by a supporting actor. Charles, like this is this is pretty wild, right? This is crazy. (laughs) Matt,
3: it's very surreal. And I have so much gratitude and I, I, I have so much gratitude for just, you know, Everything that's happening right now and just so much gratitude for Todd, Julie and Natalie and those 23 days of filming in Savannah, Georgia.
0: I totally hear you, man. But when I look at your performance in this movie, too, it's really all not that crazy to me. I remember when I saw the film at the world premiere at Cannes, I immediately walked out of this film heading in, not necessarily thinking that you would steal the show. No offense or anything. It's just, you know, when you have the star level of someone like Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore in a Todd Haynes film, you're expecting them to be the talking point. But all anyone could talk about, myself included, was your performance in this movie. And that's just a testament to the layered work that went into this really complicated and fascinating character of Joe Yu. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. So tell me, what is it what was it like? How, like, how did this all come together? Did Todd call you? Did the screenplay from Sammy land with your team? Like, how did this all happen?
3: Yeah. So so my team sent me the script and they sent me sides of like three or four different scenes to do a self tape for and I just immediately felt this connection, this intuitive connection to Joe and who this man was. And Sammy's scripts just created such a beautiful landscape to explore who this person was and this process of booking the job before Todd Haynes called me six weeks from when I first got the script was the greatest discovery as far as myself and like my process of work that I've ever had, which was really just diving in and prepping. And, it, you know, from sending in my first tape to getting notes from Todd Haynes from before I sent in my second tape to flying out to New York to do a chemistry read with Todd and Julie. It was so surreal. And I remember walking out of that chemistry read being like, you know, whatever happens, this is the gift. Yeah. This is the gift. And then Todd called me a couple weeks later and said that I got it. Um, It felt like forever <laughs> before he called me. And then, you know, I kind of had like another month and a half to just prep and really dive in before, you know, I arrived to Savannah.
0: Now, this is a kind of screenplay where the layers are continuously peeled back on these characters. So I imagine you have to do a lot of investigative work into the backstory of who Joe is um, because not all of it is necessarily there on the page. And I'm just curious to know, did you have to... Um, talk with Todd, Sammy, or were you kind of left on your own to figure that out for yourself?
3: Yeah, I think there was a lot of trust from Todd and everyone that was a part of the film. You know, I mean, Todd just, when you have someone like Todd Haynes guiding the ship, just constantly encouraging myself to, like, trust in my instincts, it's such a gift, and there's such a sense of being able then to let go once you trust in Todd and you know there was so much uh source material that I took from there was inspiration from performances and certain films. Todd had a lookbook with like so many pictures that I printed off and taped all over my office room. Um I would work with my coaches every day. I would do therapy every day um almost every you know three times a week. I would do acupuncture, just whatever I could. From the technical aspect, as far as preparation, you know, being a former athlete, I kind of used that, uh, the technical approach of maybe some uh, of an athlete to really prepare myself. So when I did arrive to set, I could just completely trust and let go. And it was, you know, when you have Todd Haynes, Julian, Natalie, these masters of their craft, these icons like with you, they just elevate everything. You know, and they're just even greater human beings, and I just felt so just in proxy, just in being within them, just so um, open and free and just very uh I felt their support,
0: yeah. And I know everyone always wants to hear about the experience of you working with uh, Natalie and Julian. I, I, I can understand that. That makes a lot of sense to me. But there's also these young actors in the film, too, who play uh, your your children here. Can you tell me a bit about what it was like working with Elizabeth and Piper and uh, what the dynamic was like between all of you?
3: Oh, yeah. And, uh, and and Gabriel Chung, you know, his. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time he ever read in. uh with another actor was for our chemistry read on zoom so i was the first actor he ever read with and his first day was filming with me natalie julie and todd directing and i was like oh man oh man you are so lucky (laughs) (laughs) uh but you know it was amazing when i found out they uh they, they booked the job you know i called them i would have them come over and you know We would watch movies. I would pick movies. Uh, You know, there's a lot of... I was very proud that I can introduce to them a lot of movies that they hadn't seen. We would order pizza. I had them do laundry at my house. You know, we were painting. I think all these things, naturally, I would do as an individual outside being the character that plays their dad. But, you know, a part of that I used to... I allowed, I didn't use it, but I allowed that to inform maybe the dynamic that would come to us filming on set together. So that, you know, we didn't have too much time to rehearse or anything, but being able to just uh, spend time with them really, I think, just informed our, uh, our, our chemistry when we did come to
0: set. And speaking of informing your performance, you're you're not a father currently. And yes. so I would imagine, though, that not having that perspective uh, is something that probably does aid in the performance a little bit, too, for this type of character. Because he, I think, is he's both a loving father, but also someone who is missing an aspect of his own life to be able yeah. to lend that full perspective to his kids.
3: Yeah, it's kind of, you know. You know, he's kind of still in that cocoon of his, like, arrested development where he's frozen in time. But externally, he has the responsibility of being a husband and a husband and a provider and a father to his kids without yet being able to acknowledge his own kind of identity, where he finds himself in the sense of these roles that he's being that he's taking full accountability for where he puts everything before himself. So in thinking about like, Oh, what would that look like when everything is on a pedestal before you, where the last thing you're thinking about is you, where the last thing you're looking at is you. And that's why it's so incredible as we slowly start seeing kind of Joe, you know, this internal kind of repression, this, grit rising to the surface and Joe acknowledging really for the first time a question that he's maybe never really asked himself before or asked Gracie and he find and this moment comes from when he looks at himself in the mirror when he's looking straight into the camera which Todd does so beautifully among so many other things where Joe is finally looking at himself it's almost a time where we can see like Joe is finally seeing and like mustering the courage to that's when he asked Gracie, "What if I was too young?" So it's you know, just a testament to Sammy Birch's script and Todd. It's so incredible.
0: Yeah, has this experience given you a new perspective on what it means to be a father, and also your relationship with your own parents?
3: You know, I, I, I I'm not a father. <laughs>
0: but is it something that you're, uh, possibly considering?
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> we all have dreams and aspirations. I think one day to be a father, I would, I would love to be a father one day. Um, but you know, I think, I just think a lot about, you know, my father and the responsibility, just the great father and hero. He was to me and my two younger sisters, you know, he was in the army for 20 plus years and, yeah. sort of the country we want at the same time, like taking care of me my mom and my sisters, you know, maybe even at times putting us before himself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's very, there's a lot of, uh, I have so much, there's so much grace and gratitude for what it is to maybe one day hypothetically a <laughs> father.
0: <laughs> Your performance in this movie I, like I said before, has left such a tremendous impact on people when they walk out of May, December. And I, I think I told you last night, some of the best clenched hand acting I've seen since Tom Cruise <laughs> in Magnolia. Where did the decisions come from for you to play those emotional moments? I think of the scene with you and Julianne in the bedroom, and then you have this an- another scene with – um Uh, With your son on the uh, roof of the house, your choices are, it seems to me, like very internal, uh, but so big that it's like it's not able to come out in in a way that is uh, a big performance. But it's like really struggling to find the words, to express it in a way that it feels like it's almost taking over your body and Mm. causing you to shake visibly. Mm. You know what I mean?
3: yeah man that's so great you know
0: thank you so much
3: that's so uh, i think i you know that's just the, the, todd, you know just the set that todd created and the trust that he had in me you know i yeah i can there's just something about and then with julie and just being able to like really let go of ideas and really it was such an environment on set to actually like exist with a character to like allow the character to like exist mm-hmm. and all the internal work you know we carry I believe you know there's like emotions and uh there's so much that lives in our body that can be translated without words right and just the mannerisms like the hunchedness you know we can express ourselves in so many different ways and You know, Joe is pre verbal. He's, he's, there's, he's frozen. There's so much arrested, just the sense of what lives inside of it. And what would that look like breaking to the surface for the first Mm. time? And it's hard to comprehend with words, but maybe feeling it by understanding Joe through the script, through Todd's trust and through the collaboration of Natalie and Julie really allowed all those things to happen. It's not like I'm going into the scene thinking I'm going to clench my hands and like my voice is going to shake. It's no. Focusing on like just really concentration of Joe and what he, just imagining what he could be feeling and allowing that to just kind of live inside. This sounds so heady.
0: <laughs> no, 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 because. I think we've all had experiences in life where we're in an awkward situation that is making us so nervous that that anxiety does something physically to our bodies where we freeze, sure. yeah. but we have so yeah. much emotion and adrenaline going through that it's almost like in conflict yeah. with with itself.
3: Yeah, there's like this contusion, this, uh, this push and pull, this pull back, this let out. It's so nuanced to like fill all these things at once. You know, and like how do we, you know, we all knowingly and unknowingly at times, I think, as part as, you know, when I look at Joe's create, he created an adaptive adult child in order to survive. Yeah. And to see this acknowledgement of his journey and like who he is kind of slowly break to the surface throughout the film. You know, that repression, those uh, things that he's been holding back for so long that he didn't quite understand, you know, he's fighting to hold it in through his body. He's holding all these things internally, but they're breaking. And so, again, like, you know, I'm not saying I couldn't have done this without Todd Haynes, but I couldn't have done this without Todd Haynes. Yeah. And to be with Natalie and Julie and Sammy's script, I
0: mean, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky do you believe that Joe loves Gracie I do I do
3: and I I believe he's on a vacation somewhere right now
0: I was gonna ask you yeah at the end of the film what do you imagine for that character you think he's uh, like permanently broken away from her or do you think he's taking a break and reassessing
3: I think he's reassessing I think he's finally drawing the line and creating some sort of healthy space just to reassess
0: yeah that's great yeah so after everything that's been happening over the last couple of months regarding this film, uh I know that you're on this award season journey at the moment and it's going to continue on, I imagine for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> like do you feel that this is one of those pivotal moments in your career in terms of like where things are going to go from here with offers and roles? Like can you feel that momentum? You know, I definitely feel something and I'm not sure
3: what's going to happen, but I'm just, I mean, like, I don't know if I mentioned this to you yesterday when I saw you, but I'm so grateful for like my family and my loved ones in my life and really going back to that feeling I had when we wrapped filming May, December a year ago, mm-hmm. which was, this is the gift. This is this is the cake. This is what what I want to do. I want to stretch. I want to work with Todd Haynes again. I want to work with great filmmakers and great actors. But like, this is the gift. Who knows if anyone will see this movie? So everything is just like such a blessing and like so incredible. And for you to make your time to talk to me, I just feel so much gratitude.
0: Well, the feeling is mutual. I know you're very busy and I'm just really glad that I could get some insight into this character and hear from you about your process of not just working on this film, too, but also going through this chaotic and wild time that we call award season. Yeah, uh, Charles, thank you. Thank you so much for the performance and thank you so much for your time. That, that means a lot to me. No, it really means a lot to me. Likewise. Thank you so much, man. Absolutely. You enjoy the rest of your day, okay? Okay, I will. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Why would you want to play someone who you think is a bad person? It's the moral gray areas that are interesting. She's getting on
3: my last nerve. She does everywhere I look. Why can't we talk about it? If we're really as in love as we say we are...
2: Insecure people are very dangerous, aren't they?
1: You are crazy. I got to see this film back at Cannes for the premiere, and it's certainly one that has stuck with me for several, several months. I'm sure that it's been a crazy wild ride for you as well.
2: It really has. It's been I mean, the whole thing has been wild, really, from the, the first phone call with Jessica elbaum and, you know, her attaching and, and then every every domino that's, <laughs> that's fallen since of these amazing people. But certainly since the strike ended and, and um, New York Film Festival, you know, it's been a, it's been quite a ride.
1: <laughs> Truly the throes of award season. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's 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 amazing. It's very exciting. It's fun to see everybody finally. I mean, today is is the day that it's out in the world. So it's been really fun to see everyone's reaction. I
1: know some um, something that I actually I didn't know about you, but um I didn't realize that you were a casting director or still probably are a casting director. no I'm not I not be. anymore
2: <laughs> no. um well I it was uh, my main credits that you might recognize were really um as a location casting assistant so like in um, North Carolina and Georgia um and then I did some independence by myself, but it was really a a a day job, kind of thing, where I, it was of convenience. I kind of grew up in that world, and I, um, I had been temping before that. <laughs> it felt like the thing to do to kind of buy myself a little bit of time to carve out time to write.
1: You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. I was going to say, I'm sure that writing was probably always kind of in the background for you, something that you really wanted to pursue.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then, um, you know, since obviously having that casting director background, I'm sure once you found out that you get Oscar winners, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore in this film and Charles Melton, you get to work with uh, Todd Haynes. I mean, is that not like a dream come true?
2: (laughs) absolutely a dream come true it really is I mean my main motive motivation for writing is ultimately to uh write roles that actors find interesting and this level is uh it's quite it's it's quite a lot to process but it's it's such a joy and it's and it's not even I mean just everyone in the movie Laura Rosenthal who's Todd's longtime casting director they've been working together since Velvet Goldmine um she's amazing, and the people I love everyone in the movie, Corey Michael Smith and Lizzie Yu and Gabriel Chung, who's he plays the son, Charlie, who this mm-hmm. was his very first audition. Wow. He's 18 years old. You know, I mean, the, it's it's such a mix of of wonderful actors at all stages of their careers.
1: I know. I was, I mean, I know we're gonna talk about it. I was so blown away with Charles Melton in this role because. I mean, he really gets the emotional core of this story. Uh, I guess I don't want to get too ahead of myself with this, but um, you know, I I know that you've been asked about this already quite some time. But I was very fascinated watching this film. I couldn't help but think of the real life inspiration probably behind this film with Mary Kay. You know, as that was unfolding in the either late nineteen nineties or early two thousands. I can't remember myself. Has that story, I guess, stuck with you in terms of something that you either wanted, wish you could have explored in some way, and that's what ultimately led to this film. I'm kind of curious how that uh, connection kind of came.
2: Yeah, well, it it really, um, it's one of those main ones. You know, I grew up in the '90s, and it really is. You know, it's Monica, Tanya, OJ. Yeah. Heidi Fleiss, uh, Mary Kay, I would put those on the Mount Rushmore of this (laughs) dark area of culture. But um, (laughs) I think, you know, we I've always known it, you know, it was so in the water. All of these stories were so in the water. And um, I think right now we're in this interesting time where there's been a lot of reflection on that kind of picking these stories up again, telling them again in a new way, sometimes um in a way that adds a lot sometimes in a way that i don't know i don't know if it does Mm -hmm. um and so i mean really it came from this idea of at some point thinking you know those those they had kids they're probably adults you know and i kind of had this image of of this house this really empty house and and how much has not been said um over the years and and that was really the seed so I, it was not something that i did a lot of research or really honestly any research at all it was it was more just a couple like that like it was important to me that it was a fictionalized mm-hmm. version that diverts from them and certainly you know the characters themselves are um uh, unique to that to those people you know their their voices and their spirits and everything and um, it was it was that was definitely the jumping off point and mm-hmm. trying to re- reverse engineer a way that that all made sense to me of, of, of what could be going on in a case like that.
1: Mm-hmm. It is also kind of interesting how and I'm, I know I'm guilty of this myself, but when I first watched the film, you know, some of the first words that I think a lot of people describe the film as was campy, you know, they're, they have some of the melodramatic qualities to it, especially with that grand soundtrack <laughs> in the background. But as I rewatched it and really just better understanding the story itself and the emotional arc of it, it's kind of hard to describe it as campy, you know, I guess, how, how do you, you know, want that film, this film to be described as, cause maybe campy is not the right word that you would say pick yourself
2: (laughs) I mean I think the debate about what is camp is is is, I think dates back to the the invention of the term yes I mean I think that for me I see it as a dark uh, a dark comedy drama you Mm -hmm. know it exists in between the two spaces there is a lot of comedy and and um but it's it's humane, you know. I think some when we hear dark comedy, sometimes I think there's a, I don't know, there's like a cruelty or like a um, a glibness that I don't think is is ultimately here. Mm-hmm. But some of the subject matter is, is so serious, so it's, it it exists in that thing. I, ser- I certainly think it it falls under the term melodrama or like these domestic dramas. Mm-hmm. Um that take place in the home that often feature women's stories, although it's interesting in this that they're that sort of the emotional um core is with Charles's character, um, which is kind of an interesting uh unusual way in in that genre, but um, but yeah, I think it is hard to totally uh want uh you know to to label it 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 does it's it's slippery in that way of how even from scene to scene and and you know the the tone um is very uh it 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 changes It, it opens up the layers kind of open up for you as 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 you experience it
1: Definitely. Um, You know, I think of uh, that scene with Natalie and Julianne's characters at the um, like Julianne's daughter is trying on the costume, the different dresses. And, you know, they're kind of talking amongst themselves. I could see that like Natalie is trying to like mimic uh, Julianne's mannerisms in that scene. Um, And you get this picture of uh, Gracie's as you know, she's a woman who's gone through a lot. I mean, she's, she's gone to prison. She's constantly getting these threats from people. And you think that it's like, she's a quiet woman, but then she has these really snappy comments towards her daughter. She says like, Oh, you're so brave for showing your arms like that. And, uh, later on, she, one of her daughters mentions that she got a scale for a graduation present. I mean, that's kind of like, that's kind of brilliant writing where you can reveal that stuff that totally goes against what you initially think of this character. Um, For you, you know, what's that like actually putting that onto the page and I guess taking us along this ride where we're never entirely sure of a character and who they really are?
2: Yeah, I mean, especially with Gracie, there's this this unknowable quality to her. You know, I think that's what a lot of the film orbits around is this idea of everyone, including us, including me as the writer, and certainly including all these characters are kind of like, what? Why is great? What does she, she know? Why did she do this? What, what what, caused this? You know, those are the questions kind of whirling around. But yeah, with the with the weight stuff, you know, it's, it's just an, it's interesting, I think, to me. There's this, um, there's something really essential about her, the way she sees herself in the world mm-hmm. as this very feminine, small um, girlish kind of uh, person, you know, that this is the, this is the way she's willfully trying to see herself. And I think, you know, with the, these, her, these hobbies, her baking, her flowering, yes. you know, there's this, this quaintness to it. And I think with, what we learn about you know uh, her mother you know she talks about the heritage of the scale and um, it's like it's interesting it fits in with all of that I think this Mm -hmm. idea of um, this like kind of hyper femininity that's weaponized and there's a um, you know there's this sense of she's trying to help or like this is the world this is this is what she wants to pass down to her daughters you know and and that show of force which i think would probably exist without elizabeth sitting there when she talks about her daughter's arms but it but with it it's almost to me like a mafia guy like shooting some random guy's foot to show the guy he's sitting next to (laughs) when i say something listen you know Mm -hmm.
1: like there's Mm -hmm. this
2: very alpha quality that she keeps um, kind of, that keeps bubbling up throughout the, the, the script. But as, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's just, a, it's, she's a very interesting character to write. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> and then obviously paired with uh, Joe, I mean, he is the, as you said, she Gracie is girlish in some ways. I mean, we do very much see her kind of crying more often than not in this film, very emotional. But then you do have Joe who, you know, on first glance, you think, you know, just some some kid who's grown up kind of living his life. But it's so much sadder than that. I you know, it starts off with that scene with his father where they just don't have like really much to talk about. And you can't help but wonder what was what was slash was there really any conversation? And he kind of alludes to it, there really wasn't much conversation between him and his parents when he was younger. Um, and then I think of those scenes with him too, trying to talk with Gracie about what he's feeling. I mean, it's really heartbreaking <laughs> and that's really what he he brought to the screen. I mean, that, you know, I guess from your standpoint, um, were you thinking as well about the, the real life influence what could he have been feeling you know 20 30 years down the line looking back at that point of his life
2: i mean really from the beginning i the seed that was the seed but i really put those real people away i didn't want to have um both you know i didn't want to have that responsibility yeah um, but i also don't want to uh presume Anyone's feelings about their own situation at all, and I and I really don't want people to think, you know, oh, the, these are conversations that really haven't, or, or you know, project. Right, you don't know. <laughs> I don't know, and and I suspect quite the opposite. But I, or you know, in some in some way, but um, but with this character, yeah, there's a, it is, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Charles is so so beautiful in the movie and so there's so much nuance and every time I see it I see more little things but there's a lot that's unprocessed and unsaid with this character and that's exactly right with the dad like you get the sense that you know he might almost say something and he doesn't and and he never has and um, and that's it, it almost functions like like a horror movie in this way that not in that it's scary, but in like when you're in, in the audience and you're going, oh, don't go in the attic, you know, it's mm-hmm. like everyone, no one's being honest. There's so few lines of tr- actual honesty in this film mm-hmm. that um I feel like you, you, as an audience member, you're so uncomfortable and it's just like, say some, say it, say yeah. something truthful, you know? Yeah. And so I think, and we're really with Joe in that, you know, we share in that with him and, um but yes, he's, an incredible uh, (laughs) performer, an actor. I'm very happy to hear you say that.
1: And I do love the butterfly motif uh, in this too, from obviously seeing the little caterpillars going into their cocoon. And it kind of follows his trajectory during the film too, where, you know, I guess we don't necessarily know where he is after the events of the film end up, but I guess it kind of gives us a little bit of hope that maybe he'll have... A little bit more strength to talk about things or at least maybe he feels more confident approaching that subject and I, I kind of love that you you did it like that.
2: Yeah there is quite a lot of I mean it's it is intentionally ambiguous but I but I the the look on his face at in that last moment at graduation on uh, Charles's mm-hmm. face is is so it's so moving and there feels like there is a lot of relief. In that and there and there is hope I
1: think Mm -hmm. yeah I, I do really have to ask about that last line uh shared between uh Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore because uh Gracie's older son is kind of like an enigma in this film I guess you never really know as you said you don't know who's actually telling the truth who's lying at any point I don't get a good read on her son and then uh you know gracie says to her don't believe that stuff that he told you and you know she kind of ends it on a really biting note i guess can you walk me through that (laughs) because i'm still trying to wrap my mind around it
2: (laughs) yeah that character is really dangerous because he is he is sort of this um this wound that's walking around i mean he's he's Volatile and electric, and he set, played. It's such an amazing performance by Corey Michael Smith. And um, I think that point is so interesting because, you know, he tells Natalie or <laughs> he tells Elizabeth that there we go. <laughs> um, um, this 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 supposed truth about about Gracie's childhood that she she was a victim of sexual abuse. Um, by her older brothers and um, and we see Elizabeth let Gracie off the hook in that way or at least understand it or feel like she's a lot closer to understanding Um, and I think we in the audience do that too and then when we find out at graduation that you know not only does she I mean she's completely dismissing it and it is there is an ambiguity that you know, we cannot know, is that true or is it not true? Yeah. What we know is true is that she's talking to her son every day. And that's, a, that is a surprise. I mean, that does feel like a bizarre betrayal because how we've seen him in the world, there's so, I feel so much hate for her, but that they, that they are still in this contact, it, you know, is kind of um, a lot to process. And we have to assume that that is a possibility that he is just kind of causing trouble. And so that, then I think in that moment, the rug, while it really gets pulled out from Elizabeth and her understanding of going into this movie and playing this role, it happens to us, too, where I think then it goes, oh, <laughs> you know, there, I maybe did kind of let her off the hook a bit. Or, or should I have? Or does that matter? I mean, there obviously is a, a lot of validity to this idea of the, this merry-go-round of sexual abuse that happens, Um But that's just kind of an, it's interesting to me, the way Mm -hmm. we experience that news and and then the reversal of it.
1: And I guess at the end of the day, you're just like, wait, I don't know who to believe now. I don't know. I don't know exactly what to think of the situation. It's a really good note to end on to really make people think, well, what the heck? What?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of, of questions of, you know, I mean, it certainly doesn't excuse behavior, but but does it explain it? And if it's not there, you know, why, you know, all all of that, it's very tricky. And, um, and as far as Elizabeth goes, you know, I mean, I think we get the sense that we've seen her best performance of Gracie and it was alone in her room into the mirror. Like, you know, that, that's, that's as as high as she'll fly to the sun. Um, She's really knocked down low um, on that graduation field
1: (laughs) i love it well thank you so very much for your time today sammy huge congratulations on this film and hopefully even more screenplays that we get to talk about together in the future oh thank
2: you so nice to meet you
0: hey everyone thank you so much for listening to my interview with one of the stars from the film may december charles melton and emma sassix interview with the film screenwriter sammy birch here on the next best picture podcast May-December is now currently streaming on Netflix and is up for your consideration for this year's Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actor for Charles Melton, Best Original Screenplay for Sammy Birch, and all other eligible categories. You have been listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time.